welcome to the Festive Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Loftus, and we have got a killer episode today. We are welcoming the incredible Cole Neesmith. Cole, can you introduce yourself? Cool. Yeah. My name is Cole Neesmith. I'm the founder and CEO of the Creative City Project. We produce uh, an annual large-scale performing and interactive arts event uh, in downtown Orlando called Immerse. It happens every October. And on top of that, I also own an agency called the Memoir Agency that's designed around helping brands create meaningful relationships with their customers through large-scale live brand engagements that are usually around some sort of artistic expression. Can you give our audience a, a little more of, of an example, um, minimize the, uh, the yargon, if you will, kind of? Yeah. So um, with the memoir agency, we create um, interactive art installations. So we'll partner with a brand uh, like Orlando Health. And last year we partnered with them. We created this 60 foot by 25 foot giant inflatable tent. And then on the inside of that, we worked with a company to create interactive projections where people could use their body to digitally paint on the walls of that structure. And so it's really all about creating an interesting and irresistible engagement with customers. You know, brands spend a lot of time uh, trying to pay a lot of money to get people to watch their content or, you know, like you'll see it at live events where like, you know, there's this 20 foot gap between a brand's 10 by 10 tent where they're trying to hand out magnets or swag or get people to like spin their wheel for candy and we help brands kind of go beyond that really not compelling kind of experience to create things that people can't resist and want to come and have an interesting experience with the brand yeah man that's that's so cool um it's like so i mean just innovative really uh you know what what got you started into that how did you get going um and like how long like just talk a little bit more about your journey to, to getting where you are now yeah, so I grew up um, as a, you know, a creative person, mostly in the church world. Um, I worked for a church for a long time. And even in that world, it was kind of like, it was very passive. It was a passive experience for people. So it was like, they'd come in, they'd watch some videos, they'd hear a band play, maybe they'd sing if they wanted to. But for the most part, it was kind of just like sit in your chair and and not engage your mind, not engage your, your soul with what was happening. So I started asking like, how can we create some meaningful experiences that really help people engage with the content we're talking about? And started getting people up out of their seat to engage with with some interesting experiences well farther down the road you know i started creating this event called immerse that is a public art event um you know this year we'll have seventy thousand guests who come to that uh, experience but i had fallen in love with this opportunity to use creativity to really like create meaningful experiences for people and so that's translated into the types of experiences that we hosted our event and then you know part of that event was okay we need corporate partnerships, but the the traditional model of corporate partner partnerships is like you get a brand to pay you money, you put their logo on stuff, and that's about it. And for us, that just wasn't enough. We also knew that we didn't want to have this giant like sea of 10 by 10 tents with people doing all those things I just mentioned that are super uninteresting. So we started working with our brand partners to say, hey, let us do the creative work for you. Hire us to create something interesting. And that turned into something that like brands, you know, outside of our immersive event were coming to us and saying, hey, we've 
seen what you've done for brand X or Y. Can you do that for us as well? And in fact, we want to create something that we can take to 10 events a year, or we want to do something in February in Atlanta. Um, And so for us, it was, okay, most of the work that we're doing through Creative City Project is around our event in Orlando in October and we were leaving a lot of opportunity on the table and so we created this separate agency that's doing a lot of that work outside of our our objectives with Creative City Project. And so with this second agency what what is um what's your vision with it what's the goal are you trying to make it kind of its own platform that travels you know city to city and builds up or are you going to kind of expand it into like helping music festivals as well as you know big corporate events conventions like where are you seeing it going? Yeah, so we work with any brand who wants to engage audiences in an irresistible way, and that happens in two ways. Part of that strategy is the face-to-face experience, some of the things I've described already, and then some of that is digital. So we help create companion digital campaigns that kind of amplify the effectiveness of these live brand experiences. And so we have all kinds of clients. Some of them are brands who are consumer facing and um, you know they wanna engage customers and build their customer base. And so we say, all right, what's your objective and how can we help you accomplish that objective? And so some of them are consumer facing like the OUC or the Orlando Health Experience I just talked about. Another one that we've created now in its second year is a, an experience called the Worlds of Corksicle. Corksicle is a global water bottle brand. And um, so we created this experience called the Worlds of Corksicle where we took a three-story building, we built out 12 immersive photo environments, and we had thousands of people come through that experience taking and sharing tens of thousands of photos all around the Corksicle brand. So they came back to us and said, hey, let's go round two. And so this year we're taking eight shipping containers. We're modifying those to open from the side. And then we'll have about a dozen different photo experiences up inside those shipping containers. And so that that second version is outside of the confines of a building. We can actually take that to any market. And so, you know, those are consumer facing brands and they're looking at engaging customers. Then we'll work with um, more like industry conferences where they want to kind of connect in a B2B kind of way. So we'll create interactive experiences for that. Um, At the end of the day, I think companies are at a place of recognizing they're overpaying a lot to force people to watch really uninteresting content. Why not spend the same amount or even less money to create something that is actually adds value to the lives of the people they're trying to reach? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's really just, uh, you know, it's really just brilliant um, what you guys have going. I feel like it's very, again, just like very new and like refreshing. What's it been like for you guys in regards to getting clientele? I mean, I'm sure maybe at this point, um, because you guys have a lot more of actual content to really back up and showcase what you can do. So it might be a lot easier, but maybe in the beginning of your process, can you talk a little about how it was for you guys getting clients and maintaining and building on those relationships? For sure. And, and I think a lot of people, especially in creative services, think differently than most people starting a business. So if you're, re- you're opening a restaurant, you expect to sink $500,000, $750,000 into that business before you start turning a profit. Like you got to buy kitchen equipment and tables and lay down carpet and do something interesting to the walls. Like there's a big upfront investment. 
I think a lot of people in the creative services industry think I'm going to start making a ton of money right away. And because of that, they never create a body of work that is actually ultimately the thing that's going to be their lead sales generator. And so for us, you know, yeah. we started doing really small projects for a couple thousand dollars and it was backbreaking and exhausting and totally not worth it unless you take the long view, which is, okay, we're creating a body of work. We're giving some of these brands incredible deals. In fact, we're going into the hole on some of them, but we know that the video and photo collateral that we can create that displays these are fantastic case studies for us to continue to get bigger clients and bigger projects. And so really it is like in real time watching this natural process that I think, you know, if I had done this 10 years ago would have been a surprise, but now is like completely what I expected, which is we know that we can, our team knows we can create great work, uh, but we got to prove that out and we have to take some time to prove that out before we start getting clients who are willing to pay us a ton of money. Because you think about somebody who works at a company, like they're entrusted with a certain pot of money, a certain bank account, you know, full of money, and they have objectives that they have to achieve or else they're going to get fired. And so if you're just some guy yeah. who's walking around who, who says, I think I could do this, but I've never proved it out before, why would a company ever entrust you with that? So we made a really intentional decision to invest time and money into doing what we knew we were really gifted at doing. And now we have those case studies that make it a way easier sell. And so even now, like we're, I mentioned the, the B2C, the B2B stuff that we're doing for brands that are more temporary pop-up kind of experiences or they're running for a month. We're now having developers reach out to us and say, hey, we want to create some really permanent, interesting, interactive engagements for our retail space or for our shopping center. And so now we're having, you know, conversations about uh, these large scale, long term interactive installations that like from a budget standpoint are 10, 20, 100 times what we were doing two years ago. Man, that's crazy. That's so cool. Um, is that a bit like where where are you at and where's your team at mentally with that? Um, are you kind of like still taking it in? Is it a little bit nerve wracking or are you guys just like? pumped, excited, like ready for the next challenge. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of all of it. Um, I've, I've learned, well, I'll tell you kind of a personal story. Um, with our event Immerse last year at the end of it, I looked at our COO, his name's Chris, and people have been asking me for months, like, what are you most excited about for Immerse? And like, I really didn't have an answer. And by the end of our event, I, I was like, I recognized I wasn't excited about anything because I had just completely shut down emotionally because I knew that if I was in touch with my emotional life, I would be like huddling in the corner, like, you know, shaking on the floor. And it, just because there's so much <laughs> and it's like anxiety inducing. Yeah. And so I said to Chris, like, Chris, we got to figure this out. Like we can't, we're not robots. We're humans with like an emotional life and, and we have to be healthy and we have to be in relationship. And so we've done some really specific things to kind of move into a place of better health with all of the work that we do. Um, part of that is timetable. So, you know, not trying to rush to get projects done, like give it a, a, an accurate amount of time to really do the thing. So we're starting on these projects sooner and sooner as opposed to later and later. Uh, like somebody actually just called us this week and said, hey, we saw that you built a giant ball pit with 250,000 balls in it in the middle of downtown Orlando last year. 
we have this grand opening next week. Can you do something like that for us? And it's a, you know, a company that could pay for us to make a thing for them. But I just knew it would drive us insane to try to execute on something like that in a week. And I was like, I would love to work with you in the yeah. future, but a week timetable for that is just infeasible. So um, it time time is part of it. And then really being conscious of just kind of our health along the way. What's our relationship like as a team? Are we really like treating each other well? And then budget and, and kind of back to what I said before, at first we were under budget significantly so that we could build a body of work that we could use as case studies to show people. Um, and now it's kind of, that was also the process of learning what these things actually take from a financial perspective. Like how much money do these things cost? How much time do they take? How many people are we going to hire? We obviously want to make it safe. So sometimes we're having to hire people outside of our team who are experts who do specific things. And, uh, and you can't do all of that from the get-go. And so it's the process of learning that and then budgeting properly for it. So some of that stuff, like some of, some of your life will just be insane for a while. And then you'll start to get the hang of it and, and you'll be able to you know, create a better infrastructure to keep everybody healthy. Absolutely, man. I think um, finding a balance is something I struggle with <laughs> quite often, um, but I think it's... I mean, it's really key in order to uh, be able to keep going. If, if Eventually, if you keep just kind of working, uh, I think you kind of break yourself down. You lose that creativity, that that motivation, a lot of things like that. So I think it has a really big impact. Um, I think also I, I liked what you were mentioning about uh, not rushing the project. You know, I think that's another thing is we're all kind of just, I think, a product of, of technology, of social media. We're all kind of just in a rush for results. Um, you know, how do you keep yourself as well as your team? How do you guys keep yourselves in check? Um, especially with, you know, doing what you guys are doing with Immerse and everything. I know that's not like a, a turnaround, like, Hey, I'm, you know, for me, I'm shooting a music video and then, uh, you know, I'm turning over the edit in two weeks, maybe three weeks. This is something where you're doing over months time. Like how do you keep yourself motivated and stay focused? Yeah, I, this is something I harp on a lot. It's something that I'm really passionate about. I was talking to somebody about it this morning. And I think a lot of people give something two months or four months when they feel like they're pushing it. If they give something six months, I think if you're, if you're starting an endeavor, if somebody's starting a thing, whether it's a podcast or a blog or uh, a, a new business or a creative project or a new passion, whatever it might be. If you're starting something, I think people think they're giving themselves a ton of time if they do it for four months. And I think probably what we've learned is life and projects and passions uh, are on an 18 month cycle. So going into something, I, okay. I expect to make a decision about whether or not it's effective, not two months, not four months, not 12 months down the road, but 18 months down the road. So I have a podcast called Entrepreneur, and uh, it's grown consistently over the last year and a half that I've been doing it. And I think right now, 18 months in, I'm just now learning, okay, is this valuable? If so, who's it valuable to? Uh, should I keep doing it? Am I happy with the growth? And even at the point, you know, sometimes at some point it will have some stasis, like not everything continues to grow. And I think, you know, when that time comes, the question is, all right, now it's plateaued. Am I reaching the right audience? Is there still value here for me? Is there still value here for the, the people that are part of it? 
So I think part of like keeping everything healthy is giving it enough time. And I think if somebody's setting out on a journey to start something, they should set out with the expectation of doing it for at least 18 months. I like that, man. I think that's a really good idea in order to really try things out and feel it out. Um, not not to uh, put you on the spot, but where, where are we at with the podcast? Are you thinking we're going to continue that or what are you thinking? Yeah, it's been really it's been really great. So um, right now we have about a thousand unique monthly listeners, which is great because it's an industry podcast. It's not a general audience, general market podcast. The, the Entrepreneur podcast is designed to help artists make creativity their career. So it's people who are specifically starting creative companies or want to launch their music or painting or writing career, whatever it might be, anybody who's working in a creative field. So I recognize that like it's one of those those pieces of content that is for a niche audience. Uh, and so I think, you know, the 8,000 monthly listeners that we're reaching is a is a valuable audience for sure. Um, for us, through the Creative City Project, we content, artists are one of our audiences. Uh, we collaborate with about a thousand performers every year. And so continuing to grow that circle and reach out to other artists by providing them valuable content is a, is a really great like initiative for us and has some really great returns. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit more about... Um the collaboration process, um, you know, the importance of collaborating with other artists, other businesses, um, what it can do for your business. Just dive in a little bit about uh, what collaboration has done done for you on your journey. Yeah, with Creative City Project in particular, we are a collaborative body. Um, we would produce very little on our own, but we can bring this event to life that will net this year host a, a 70,000 people only because we're collaborating with a thousand performers from about 140 different organizations. And so we'll have hundreds of performances and experiences, but all of that work is being done by small pods of artists uh, in their own spheres, their own realms, their own rehearsal spaces for months leading up to our event. And our team, our programming team, works works hand in hand with each of those organizations to figure out what it is that they are bringing and what they should bring. And sometimes our programming team will help them dream bigger or will assess their skill level or ability and say, maybe we need to pull that back a little bit. Uh, so we work hand in hand with them, but there is a ton of work that goes into producing a Merce that our team has nothing to do with. And we recognized a long time ago, the only way for us to do what it is that we do is to continually partner with people to make that thing happen. And now that's expanded outside of these arts organizations. Um, they're, the Orlando Economic Partnership um, is partnering with a company from Tampa called Synapse. They host... Um, tech conferences they have a huge one in in tampa right now they're starting their orlando one this year in 2019 and it will be the friday of our event so all day friday there'll be hopefully about a thousand people from the tech industry in central florida at that event it's in downtown orlando they strategically aligned it with what we're doing and then those people will dump out into our event and so we're having conversations with all kinds of industries, all kinds of companies all the time, because we recognize in order for us to scale, a lot of other people need to be doing a lot of work. And so those partnerships are integral in our ability to do that. 
Well, it sounds it sounds like um, based on what you're saying and, and what you're talking about, it sounds like you guys are kind of growing quite a bit as well yourselves, um, which might mean adding to the team a bit. Um, of course, you've already got a team now. Can you talk a little about the importance of having a team, not just trying to do everything on your own, um, you know, the benefits of having a team and maybe some pieces of advice for our listeners on how to know you're growing the right team or how to effectively find yeah, the right team the first players. first thing is know what you're good at and then know what you're really bad at and hire people who are great at doing the things you're not good at. So that's, I mean, that is the most basic thing when it comes to like to building a team. But at the same time, it's it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to be honest with yourself. It's hard to be honest about what you're not great at. Um, but I'll tell you, like for me, I'm much happier not having to do the things that I'm not good at. So in August of last year, about a year ago, actually, we hired a full-time COO who oversees like all of the logistics of the stuff that we were doing. And I needed to offload that. I'm not a detail-oriented por- person. I'm not great at like sending emails every day. Like there's, I'm just not great at that. And so a lot of stuff was falling through the cracks. And so to hire him was a huge asset to our team. And I don't have to, on a daily basis, think about things like budgets and you know, we import a ton of manufactured products from China. Like I primarily work with the vendors to, to create those things, but now he handles all of the logistics and shipping, getting those things here to Orlando. And so like, just, I, I'm not good at that stuff and it's life sucking. <laughs> and so to have him do it, it's great. Um, at the same time, like our programming team. So I, I'm part of the programming in a big, like kind of, big vision kind of way. I'm not part of the programming in a detailed day-to-day oriented way. I'm not talking about where uh, installations or artists are going in our footprint. I'm not talking about, you know, what um, what sound system we need here or there or what lights we're putting in place X or Y. Like all those details are handled by our programming and our technical team. And so again, it's like for me, I'm I know that putting me in charge of those details is not a great idea. And so just continuing to hire people who are great at doing those things that, that really just kind of suck the life out of me. And for those people, they love doing that stuff. And so that I think is the best way that we've learned to, to comprise a team. And uh, kind of building off of, of that and you know, making sure everyone's kind of happy and doing what they love, you know, what is the definition of success for you? Um, Maybe as well personally, but also in regards for your business. Like, how, how do you know Creative City Project? How do you know Immerse? How do you know it was successful? Is there certain statistics and figures you're looking at? Or is it just kind of leaving with like a like a good feeling? Like, yeah, I, I think everyone had a great time here. Um, there's a lot of metrics for us in answering that question. Um, so there's three main areas that we look at. One is, are we contributing to cultivating a thriving arts community in Central Florida. So part of that is through Immerse by platforming artists, paying them to perform. Part of that is some of the work that we do throughout the year. Um, Part of that is training artists through things like the Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, and, And that's just one of three pieces of what we do and how we look at success. And so 
ultimately, you know, I started this thing because I was looking around at a lot of my creative friends who were saying that there's kind of a glass ceiling for me here in Central Florida. I need to move to New York to get an art director job. I need to move to L.A. because I want to be an actor in film and television. Um, I want to move to New York because I want to be a full-time actor in on Broadway. Like, there are some of those things that, like, I obviously can't you know, bring Broadway here. If your ultimate dream is to be on Broadway, like I can't yeah. <laughs> do anything for you that for that here in the short term. However, Orlando has last year, 75 million visitors, more than any U S city in the United States. And for us to, I mean, we're, we're ripe to create an infrastructure that platforms artists uh, to do what it is that they love. So we're not going to create Broadway, but there's no reason we don't have massive shows that are happening here on a regular basis outside of 20-minute performances at Disney World all day. And, and that you know, it's really great. Like, I'm, I'm for Disney. I'm for Universal. They employ a lot of really creative people, and because of that, we have this huge pool of talent here. But a lot of those actors, for instance aren't really, really fulfilled doing twenty the same 20-minute show six times a day. They want to do other stuff. And we have the, the human infrastructure from a talent standpoint and from a visitor standpoint to be able to create, for example, a thriving theater scene here. So our, that's the first piece of it. Are we creating a, are we cultivating a thriving arts community? The second piece is to help the residents of Central Florida care more about living here. So reducing the sense of transience that per, permeates our culture and really helping create meaningful experiences that help people love our city more. And then the third piece of it is kind of this global objective which is to platform Central Florida from a global standpoint as a hub for innovation and creativity. And so we look at artists, we look at residents, and we look at how people around the world view and perceive our city. And all of those things come through various expressions, and there are lots of metrics that we can look at in order to be able to determine whether or not we're successful in doing those things. Personally, at the end of the day, Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Am I connecting with people I care about? And do those people I care about love what we get to do together? Wow. <laughs> um, that was really well said. Yeah, that, I, I love all that, man. Um, I think that's super, super cool, especially you know how you talk about really trying to cultivate like an art community here because I know for me, you know, moving here three years ago, that's kind of been like the biggest thing I noticed is just like, the sheer amount of people that live here slash are continuing to move here as well as just visitors coming. But yet, you know, when I first moved here, I felt like there wasn't really any um, like culture or like arts community really to this area, but there's kind of this, this giant gap and this potential for it. So I think that's, that's so cool that you guys are, uh, you know, making that a focus as well to, to build that and, up. And part of your um, experience. You um, well, first of all, it's all true and valid because it was your experience. But it was also a marketing problem. So a ton of arts organizations are just really bad at marketing. <laughs> there are really, really amazing things that are happening in Central Florida from an arts and culture perspective every night of the week. But arts organizations a lot of times are really bad at telling people about them. So that's one of the things that we've begun doing. Every Monday we release a, a 60 to 90 second video on our social platforms called This Week in Art that specifically highlights three or four interesting arts and cultural events that are coming up in the city just to let people know about it. And for us, there's 
kind of twofold result of that. One, it speaks to that first piece of our mission, which is to cultivate a thriving arts community. The more tickets that we can get sold at these arts organizations, the more they're going to grow and the better they're going to be. And then secondly, we looked a year and a half ago at our social channels and said, okay, how can we stay connected to an audience throughout the year by doing more than just talking about immerse all the time? And so we started asking that question, what value can we bring to our audience? And it was, okay, let's just provide them a piece of video content every Monday that is something they want to see and something they want to share. And so it's continued to engage our audience as a marketing tool uh, to continue to grow our organization and let people know what we're up to. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, is, is there any other examples um, or advice you could give, uh, you know, cr content creators um, about, you know, adding value um, to their listeners or to their audience? I know for me personally, that's been like a huge shift in my focus. I guess not looking at the start of 2019, but if we're looking at, um, more probably a full year from this point, I know I kind of shifted and I geared a lot of my content more towards um, education based, if you will, um, just providing more value and insight. Um, if I'm kind of not just revealing entertaining content, but trying to make it in a way that, um, you know, people can kind of pull information from it or pull tidbits from. So I've been really releasing a lot of behind the scenes content lately, just kind of showing people the process, my process. Um, can you speak a little about how other ways you guys are trying to provide value and how that's helped grow your business? Yeah. So when it comes to what we do from a creative city project standpoint, and from a memoir agency standpoint for both of our companies. Everything that we do with Creative City Project and the memoir agency is filtered through a framework called the Story Brand Framework that we orient all of our messaging around. And the Story Brand Framework is the seven elements of story um, or seven of the primary elements of story applied to the branding process. And the big philosophy is this. A character has a problem, meets a guide who helps them solve that problem to avoid failure and achieve success. And so if you look at any of our content, it will involve some piece of that story. And so when we create content as a brand, we talk as little about ourselves as possible and as much about the customer and their journey as we can. And so we start with recognizing like we're talking to people who want to live a life of creativity and adventure. And so we're helping them overcome the mundane. And that positions us as the Yoda to their Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and so we look at our customer as the hero of the story and our brands are designed to help them overcome the hurdles that they're experiencing in their lives to achieve the things that it is they want to achieve. So if you look at our Creative City Project content and our Immerse content, you'll see that. It's we're helping you overcome the mundane life and live the creative adventure that you want to live every day. And so that's how we orient our language around Creative City Project. And so when it comes to adding value, that's a great foundation for us because that's the kind of underlying philosophy of everything that we do and everything that we make. It's we're here to help the people who are our audience and the people who are not yet our audience to live a life of creativity and adventure. So whether that's through the Entrepreneur podcast or This Week in Art, everything that we're doing is designed to help people awaken to their own creativity. 
With the memoir agency, our customer is brands. And so with that, we're creating irresistible experiences that create lifelong relationships with customers. And so we recognize that most of the people we're talking to are C-level executives or people in the marketing department. And the last thing they want is to pay a lot of money to be ignored. And so we help brands create irresistible relationships with customers because we believe that your brand shouldn't be ignored and that people should fall in love with you and that you as a brand deserve that. And so that's the language that we use when we talk to brands about what we're doing with with the memoir agency. So if I write a blog post uh, for the memoir agency and I publish it on LinkedIn, that's the lens. Stop paying too much to be ignored. Partner with us. We'll create irresistible experiences for you and audiences will fall in love with who you are. More than that, they'll start sharing you with their friends. And so it's recognizing what's the deepest pain point of our customer, no matter what the brand is. And then how do we as a company come alongside as the guide to help them overcome that hurdle and win the day? How do you think, um, I think something that's really cool about what you guys are doing is, you know, with social media and just growing technology, I think people kind of lock themselves away and kind of hold their, I don't know, like everyone's kind of communicating, yes, and people are intertwined, but it seems to mainly be like through social media now, you know, like you look at like the dating scene, now the dating scene, it's all online, essentially, no one meets in person anymore. I think something that's really cool is like how your business is able to bring people together in like a safe space, you know, to have fun and get engaged. Um, can you talk a little about that? How, what, what you've seen, um, relationships that have grown, stuff like that. 100% an accurate assessment of what we're all about. We are obsessed and even companies are obsessed with the digital realm. And so <laughs> we do a lot of work in the digital space, but most of even what we do in the digital space ties back to some sort of live face-to-face non-technology interactive experience. And maybe we utilize technology in the things that we make, but even the utilization of technology and the things that we make points back to how are we connecting people in physical space around a meaningful shared experience. We people, humans, you and I, are more starved for that and want that now more than ever. And so, yeah, I think while brands are obsessed with how are we integrating AR and what, what do we, how are we using VR to get people in touch with our brand? Like that is so out of touch. It's so out of like, no one is sitting at home putting their phone in a cardboard box to strap to their face, but brands are spending way more money on that than they are things that are actually effective. And so that's actually part of our education process is helping brands remember the value of the face-to-face experience. Because you and I, when we think about our own habits, our own patterns, our own lives, our own desires, you and I, deep down, know the value of connecting face-to-face and creating shared experiences. For some reason, too many people who work for a brand disassociate their personal experience from their job. And so we go in and like just help remind people that they're human, And in the same way they want human connection, everybody else they're trying to serve or get to buy their product wants the same thing. 
100%, man. Totally agree. Um, I, I, I feel very comfortable in saying that you're all about the human connection as well, as well as just getting involved. Um, I know you do a ton of stuff. I'm always seeing on your Instagram, you know, you're swimming, you're at the gym, you're, <laughs> you're singing, you're acting in a play. Can you, can you talk a little bit about um, some of the things you're involved in, why you're involved in so many things, you know, how that gives you kind of more life, breathes more kind of air and, and freshness and, and just happiness into your life? Yeah, I love the work that we get to do and I work a ton, but I also really love just like doing the things that are me, like being okay with being who I am and being okay with like loving the things I love. And, you know, I grew up my entire life as a musician and an actor. And my whole, like, you know, the first 25 years of my life were pretty much that. Like, out of high school, I toured full-time with a rock and roll band, and I loved it. And life changes, and seasons change, and but those things about me have never changed. And so, I don't win my rent money through acting on stages, but I love acting. And so now I can... You know, this week I'm partnering with uh, the Alterity Chamber Orchestra and they're doing an Igor Stravinsky piece that has this narrator who's telling the story about a soldier and the devil and kind of this war between the two of them. And so they asked me to do that with them. And it's just an amazing group of musicians and we're having a great time. And we had our first performance last night. And at the end of this, they'll probably try to hand me a check, but I know that like their organization needs that check way more than I do. And so I get to approach those things like with with understanding like who, what those things mean to me and the role those things play in my life. And so, you know, it's totally fine with me that I'm not winning my bread money through acting or music anymore, but I haven't stopped doing either of those things right now. I'm working with my friend, Adam Sliger on recording a four song EP and I'm recording music for the first time in like seven years right now. And so, yeah. And, and, and I've like, just because of the t kind of person I am, when I started doing this stuff with Adam, I was like, I go into the studio and I'm like, okay, what photo assets, what video assets do I need to create when it's time to release this so that I have all the content? And then I had to just be like, you know what? This is not the relaunch of my music career. So I don't need to do all that stuff. Like I'm giving myself permission to just do this because I want to do it and I love it. And so I think it's that balance of like working hard and doing the things that we're doing. And if you get to love what you do for work. Awesome. If you don't, you still got to have a job and that's fine. And then there's this other half of life, which is like just doing the things that you love to do. And sometimes that's your job and sometimes it's not, but either way, like there's a lot of value in it. How, how have you, what, what steps have you taken? Um, actionable steps, if any, have you taken to kind of be more open about kind of sharing your sensitivity and who you are. You know, you talked about how you've made a lot of big changes this year um, with kind of conquering those insecurities and such. Can you help our audience out with maybe some tips for them on, on how they can kind of move past their insecurities and kind of blossom, become that Phoenix. Yeah, I if mean, you will. our insecurities stem from some sort of trauma in our lives. And as long as we think that we can overcome that trauma uh, by ourselves, we will remain traumatized and we will keep up our defenses because we're trying to protect ourselves. And we've learned that we need to protect ourselves because of things that have happened in our past. And so we have to deal with that stuff. There are literally decades of my life where I had in the back of my mind, I should probably go to counseling. And it took me decades of my life to start doing that. And that was a mistake that I made that prevented me from excelling forward 
sooner rather than later. And I'm really grateful for where I am now. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't live with a sense of guilt about the decisions of my past. Um, but at the same time, I hope that somebody listening to this could say, you know what, I've been thinking about that too. Maybe I should do that now instead of later. And there are a million excuses. The, the primary win, one of which is I'm scared <laughs> um, that prevent us from doing things that make us more healthy humans. But we're going to enjoy our lives way more when we can get out of that stuff and into like moving into our future without that baggage. What, what are you doing right now um, in the business world or personal life? What's got you excited? What's got you going? Or, or what new projects are coming out uh, pretty soon for you that, that you can't wait to release? Yeah. So personally, like I have felt more connected to the people in my life than I've ever felt before. And I'm really grateful for that. I was sitting on my couch on Saturday um, and I, I literally, I just started crying because I was really grateful for a lot of the things that are like happening in my life personally and the way that I've just had so many people journeying with me over the last six or seven months as I've been growing myself and then sharing that, inviting other people into that with me. It's been so transformative. So personally, like just dealing with some of those things that I just mentioned of just like traumatic things or things that I've never dealt with, that kind of stuff. Like personally, that stuff has been so transformative and life-giving for me. Um, from a professional standpoint, like for the first time in my life, people are coming to me and our team and saying, you all are really good at this and we need you to do it for us. Whereas I feel like I've spent decades of my life fighting to like get people to let me do work for them. And so I'm so, again, like it just comes down to, I'm so grateful for that. And, and, and a lot of it is the direct result of some of the things that we've talked about. Like stop doing the things you're not good at. Do the things that you are good at. Stop being wrapped up in your insecurities and not being willing to do things because of the way like you fear people might perceive you if you do this or that. Like if we can get ourselves healthy, it's going to radically change everything that we're doing, whether that's personally, relationally or in our business life. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, with that being said, is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't already? Yeah, Immerse 2019 is coming up in Orlando, uh, downtown Orlando. We shut down the streets uh, and activate the streets and public spaces. Uh, this year, we'll have Blue Man Group headlining on Saturday night. Uh, we are bringing in a group of artists from the UK called the Architects of Air. They make these giant inflatable structures that are made of translucent fabrics. And you walk inside of it and you go through these like colored corridors of light and geometry. Um, we're bringing back the worlds of Corksicle, that immersive photo experience. Uh, we've done something really fun this year that I'm really excited about. Um, we put out a call to bands and solo artists. We chose five of those artists. We're orchestrating 10 of their songs, and they'll perform those songs live with an orchestra and immerse right in the middle of downtown Orlando. And those are just like five things that will be surrounded by hundreds of additional activations and performances. So if you're in the Orlando area, or even if you're not, I think it's worth it to like get down here and experience this thing with us. Absolutely. Um, not just that, but like, where can people find out more information um, about Immerse, about, uh, you know, you, you yourself as well, Cole, you know, where can people find you on social media as well as the online web? The online web, uh, you can find me at Cole Neesmith, C-O-L-E 
N-E-S-M-I-T-H. You can follow Creative City Project. Uh, you can also find out more about Immerse at creativecityproject.com. And you can follow Immerse Fest on Instagram as well. Awesome. Sweet. Thank you so much for stopping by, Cole. Really appreciate the time uh, and value for our audience here. Um, thank you all for stopping by as well. Be sure to like and subscribe. And we'll see you next week.